Welcome to the podcast of C3 Church with today's message. Man is looking for better methods, but God is looking for better men. That's the subject today. My Father, thank you for the reading of the word. Uh, I pray that you would take a hot coal and touch my lips with it so that I can catch on fire of the revelation of the word of God so that I can speak this here to your people and especially to your men because I know that you're looking for better men and we all can do better. And while man is looking for methods, you're looking for men. And we believe that today this word would inspire your men to be better in every area of life. In Jesus' name. And somebody say amen. Amen. Say amen again. Amen. Isn't that a good story right there? I thought it would be great to just start right there. I just want to start, get out the gate real quick here with some things. We live in a political environment where intentions are more important than efforts. Empirical evidence is no longer considered if the viewpoint is analogous to cultural opinions. In other words, facts don't matter anymore. As long as you believe like I believe, then we're good. But if you don't believe like I do, then I got a problem with you. I say that because as a Christian, a lot of times people want to say that we are the ones that are intolerant. However, I'm, I tolerate everybody. I just don't have to put up with everybody. Amen. And so sometimes the people who, who claim to be the most tolerant are the most intolerant. And so as Christians, guys, you got to stand your ground. Uh, it, there was a time that with uh, uh, the king over in Babylon, they put this huge idol up and all of the people had to bow down to this idol. But there, there were these, these, these little Hebrew boys, come on, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I used to think that pastor was saying a billy goat, but but he was saying Abednego, he just couldn't pronounce the word very well. And, and, uh, but those, those three men, those three men, uh, th- those men refused to bow down to an idol when all of the world was bowing down. So in other words, we have to be stand-up Christians in a bow-down world. We don't bow down to the idols of the world. We don't bow down to the persecutions of the world. We don't bow down to cultural complacency. We don't do that in the church, right? We have to make sure that we stand strong in the word of God. No matter if people are following us or not, we have to keep going towards God. Amen, somebody. The Bible said that that narrow is the way. See, sometimes people don't want to go this way because this way is narrow narrow. It's not narrow because God is narrow in wanting people. It's narrow because people choose the, right, the wide way. But great is those who are led into destruction. We must not allow our focus to be taken away from the father and his fatherhood so that he can reveal to us how to operate as sons. And if we don't understand that, that father and his fatherhood, then we won't quite understand how to be sons. A lot of times, saints of God, we put our natural fathers, uh, the things that they, he has done in our lives on Father God. And we treat Father God like our natural fathers treated us. Amen. And so we can't put those natural uh, attributes from your natural father and portray them onto God somehow, thinking that he's some kind of uh, master with a cane and all he wants to do is whip you when you're doing wrong. And all he's doing is watching you. And as soon as you do something wrong, he's there to switch your little legs. That's not the father. That's not his heart because the father loved you before you even knew who you are. Amen. He gave his son before you even thought about yourself. He gave you his son before your parents even thought about you. And as a matter of fact, Jeremiah teaches us that before you was ever born, he had a plan for you. Amen. Now, somebody say, now, that's a father. father. See, the father has a plan for us. And he that plan, it will will actually execute 
the moment we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we continue to follow his plan. Amen? Amen. And so that's why it's important to understand his fatherhood. The most dangerous day for a man is when he does not have a dream big enough to challenge his faith. That's a dangerous day. When your dreams are too small, oh, boy, I hope somebody got convicted right there. Amen? And see, I, had, I got convicted about my dreams, and he was saying that I'm thinking too small. I got to think larger. I got to go wider, broader, because God is not limited. He's not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering toward us who believe, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so God is not slack. He is not limited. He has everything in his power. He can give you everything that your heart's desire, as long as your desire is on his heart. And so we got to make sure that we're not thinking too small small that our faith is not challenged. Amen. 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 Anyway. Y'all want some orders? The absence of true fathers has meant that a major source of strength and blessings have been absent from the church. I got this from the book by Pete Beck Jr. You will be meeting him. He just turned 91 a couple of weeks ago. And uh, another one of my mentors uh, from his book called Not Many Fathers, of course, that was taken from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. It says that, you know, you may have 10,000 instructors in Christ, but you do not have many fathers, uh, which is true. You have a lot of instructors, but there's only so many people that you can consider a spiritual father. There's no need to really, I didn't, I didn't want to come and give a lot of statistics about the lack of fathers uh, in the culture. I could have just went down a long line of that. I think everybody here understand that there is a problem, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and this problem actually started uh, when the welfare state kicked in. Yep. And so just go read the history books. You'll learn that. I don't have time for a political message today. So, but I do want to say this. Now, I'm a military guy, so I understand military terms. And most of you understand this term, stand at ease. Stand at ease. Stand at ease is a word that means, you know, you, you can kind of let your guard down. You can, you can relax. You know, you spread your feet apart, and you, know, you, and you, and you just kind of waiting. You, you're at ease. You're kind of loose, loosey-goosey, right, is when you stand at ease. But let me tell you something. It, this is not the time for the men to be at ease. As a matter of fact, it's time for the men to stand to attention. Because when you stand to attention, your back is upright, your head is up, you're watching, you're alert. And see, it's time for men to have a straight back. Mm -hmm. See, you shouldn't have some bold over back, just bold over to everything that's going on in the culture, bold over to persecution, bold over to your job. And I don't know if I can handle this job. Why you can't handle the job? You're a man of God, aren't you? Yeah, it's just so dark in here. Well, that's why he brought you in there to turn on the light. Come on, somebody. And so you got to stop complaining about it and live out what God has called you to do so that you can continue to be a light. And am I talking to the right folks today? And so we got to stand at attention. We got to be ready, saints of God. We got to be ready to run this race. We got to fight the good fight of faith. We are raising up soldiers in the army of the Lord because he's called the Lord of hosts. The word host is armies. <laughs> and so if he's the general, then we must be the soldiers. Mm-hmm. I was reading another great book uh, by Chuck Swindoll. Uh, some of you might get offended by some of this, but that's okay. The book is called Growing Wise, Growing Wise in Family Life. He asked a couple of questions uh, in this book. He said this. He said, remember when men were men? Remember when you could tell by looking? Hey, don't get mad at me. This, I get mad at Chuck. 
I'm just reading from his book. Get mad at Chuck, you know. He said, remember when men knew who they were, liked how they were, and didn't want to be anything but what they were? Remember when it was the men who boxed, wrestled, and bragged about how much they can bench press? And I like that question because I don't know if you know what's going on today, but there are these transgenders now uh, competing against women. And they're winning against women because they're not women. They're men. They're beating them in wrestling. They're beating them in powerlifting. They're beating them on the track. But they're not women. So they should be beating them. Your anatomy is different. Come on, somebody. See what happens when you open up Pandora's box, then now you got you to live with that slippery slope. So the same one's talking about, oh, we just need to be tolerant. Now you're losing everything. Well, there you go. Oh, see? Yeah, I know it. I know it's tight. It's right. I saw it coming, but yeah, sometimes you can't see it until it's smack dab in your face, like my daddy used to say. And then he had this question. He said, remember when it was the men who initiated the contact and took the lead in a relationship? Let me just say that one more time. Remember when it was the men who initiated the relationship. Now you got the woman buying the ring. I just saw something on Facebook. The woman, the woman got down on her knee to give the ring to the Boy, that's foolishness. But ain't nothing but some foolishness, guys. And I know a lot of folks ain't going to like me saying this, but that's foolishness. You that desperate? You got to buy the ring, the dress. You buy it all. Got the wedding arrangements picked out. Don't even have a man yet. Got your long laundry list of he's got to have this, that, and the other, and you jacked up. The Bible said a man that finds a wife finds a good thing, not a girlfriend, not a Friday night creep. You got to be a wife first while you trying to. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to men today. My bad. Let me get back on point here. <laughs> we need fewer spineless wimps who've never disentangled themselves from mama's April streams. More clear thinking, hard working, straight talking, righteous living, and godly men who, while tender, thoughtful, and loving, don't feel the need to ask permission to take charge. You don't have to ask permission to take charge. Take charge. I think every woman in here want a man that know how to take charge. Don't have to do everything. Don't have to make all the doggone decisions. All of that stuff. You want a man that can step in and say, I got this, baby. You don't have to worry about nothing. I got it. Come on. Ask no permission to take charge. I'm taking charge. See, that, that, that's, that's, that's alpha. Somebody say Alpha. We got too many beta males. I can spot a beta. I can spot a beta in the mall. I can spot. I said, yeah, that's a beta. That's a beta. That's a beta. I'll be, be talking to myself. Stand up to her. Stand up to her. Give her back a purse. Take her panties off. I'm convinced. That most women would love to have men like that to spend time with. 
<laughs> I know that one over some of y'all here. And children especially like having dads just like that. Kids like to see a man that know how to make decisions. Amen. Somebody that know what they're called to do. Somebody that's doing that's, that's, that that understands what the fa- where the family is going. Sometimes when the family is hit with something and you might not have enough resources, the man should be able to figure things out. The woman is not supposed to try to figure all of that stuff out because we process things differently. And so as we are processing, what was that, baby? Let me rearrange that right there. I got that and we can put that over here and we ain't going to worry about that right now because we process stuff differently. And a man is not supposed to stretch out, stress out his wife. He's supposed to be a stress reliever. Come on, brother. Say he's talking about me. Yeah, I'm talking about you guys. That's what I'm talking about. You're not spineless. But I'm sure you've seen some that are. So I'm trying to encourage you, fellas. I'm talking about you. You're the ones that's taking charge. You're the one that knows how to process and think and taking care of your family, taking care of your wife, working hard, bringing the money home, paying the bills. Your wife shouldn't have to worry about, oh, is the, uh, we gonna have, are we going to have air today? <laughs> She don't have to worry about, she's been at work because a lot of women are hardworking. You got a career. You got the education. You don't want to come home and watch this brother that's supposed to be looking for a job playing PlayStation. And then all of a sudden, you have a real man, an alpha, to challenge that man, and then she want to take up for him. Oh, he's trying. Boy, don't make me tell you something right now. Make me lose my mind up in here. He's trying, yeah. He's trying to just take all your little money and run you crazy. That's what he's trying to do. Amen. Again, this message is an unapologetic call for men to stop settling for good lives and embrace courage to live more purposefully, to love more passionately, and to serve God more consistently. And guess what? And to laugh more frequently. Amen. Isn't that good right there, guys? Because this is, this, is what I live. this is what I pray. Lord, I want to live more purposefully. I want to love more passionately. I want to serve God more consistently. And I want to laugh more frequently. In essence, this is a call for all men, including me, to be a better friend, a better husband, a better father, and a better man of God, boldly living the life God intended us to live. Amen, somebody? As opposed to be man, not man. Amen. And so, praise the Lord. So I got excited about that when I was writing that. Amen. And so, listen, we're supposed to be better. And I want to be better. I don't, I don't want to be the same pastor, the same brother, the same friend, the same dad, the same old born husband. No, because, see, I truly believe that the worth of a woman can be found, the worth of a man can be found in the countenance of his wife's face. See, you should be able to look at Elaine, and you know I'm taking care of her. Yes, Jesus. You better know. (laughs) Hallelujah, somebody. Praise the Lord. You better know. You better recognize. I'm taking good care of her, and she's taking good care of me. See, this is why I don't have to worry about running behind some other floozy. Because, see, when, when home is taken care of, and love is there, appreciation is there, the love language is there, then you don't have to worry about what somebody else is trying to do when I got what you got at home, and it's better and it's clean. 
Somebody say it's clean, it's clean, it's clean. Mm -hmm. See, that's what I'm talking about. So ladies, ladies, don't worry. Your time is coming. If you're single ladies, your time is coming because I'm praying for alphas to take, to take ground, right? And I know your struggle. I know your struggle has been hard because you, you know how to make decisions. You know how to live. You know how to pay your bills. You, you have a career. You have goals. And sometimes when you meet so many betas, you tend to give up because those brothers, they can't handle a strong woman. Let me tell you something. Because, see, an alpha woman has got to have an alpha male. Amen. Let me tell you, because if you don't, you're going to get a beta, and then you're going to be running everything, then he's going to have to ask permission to take control. Oh, man. Am I in there? In there? Yeah. It. All right. So can, can I move on? Okay. So where are the mighty men of valor? That's what I'm asking, guys. Where are the mighty men who are not afraid to worship their God in public. Now, where are they? Somebody say, I'm an alpha. Say it, guys. I'm an alpha. So you, you don't worry about it. You can worship God in public. See, where are the mighty men of valor who refuse to let their wives or another woman in the church out-worship them? See, that's what, that's what Kim was talking about this morning. We should not allow women to out-worship us, guys. We, we, let me tell you something. Let me go ahead and take you back a second because a lot of times uh, you have old drunks on the corner talking about Ephesians chapter 5 when it said the Bible said that, that, that the man is the head of a woman. They drunk. They don't even know the Bible, but they know that verse. But unfortunately, they don't know the whole chapter. And they don't know the whole book. See, Apostle Paul, as a matter of fact, was not even talking about a man and a woman. He was talking about Christ and his church, if you understand the whole context of it. And so here's the deal. The Bible says as man is submitted to Christ, the woman should be submitted to the man. But if the man is not submitted to Christ, why should that woman be submitted to that man? So if you're drunk, you know you're not even submitted. So why would that woman be submitted to a drunk who don't know God? Where are you going to lead that woman in the next five years? Where are you going in the next 10 years? Is she going to know God more? Is she going to have a better, better relationship with the Father? See, it's not about all of this stuff that we think. See, my job is to make sure that she's closer to Jesus when she goes back to him. Amen. That's my job. Because I can't give her back to God the way God gave her to me. I'm supposed to give her back better. Why? As a better man, I create better things. Where are the mighty men of valor who are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Amen. In 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 2, it says, be strong, therefore, and show yourself a man. Oh, I guess you didn't know that was in the Bible. It said, be strong and show yourself a man. You know who said this? David. David said this to his son Solomon because he knew that he was going on to be with his fathers, but he wanted Solomon to have courage, but he wanted Solomon to stand strong and be a better man than what he was. Fathers always want better things for their children. So there's a lack of fathering in the house of God, which is why some preachers in the pulpit don't understand that there is some people in the congregation more anointed than you that can preach better than you. So why should you feel intimidated by that? If you are a father, I don't think there's not one father in this room that don't want their children to do better than them. If you do, you are, you are a sorry father. 
Every father wants their children to do better. This is why you teach them about the mistakes you made, because you don't want them to make the same mistake. Am I talking to the right folks here? And even though, even though they may say, oh, dad, whatever, and they might go and fall in the same pitfall, but at least they can say, well, daddy tried to warn me. Potholes in the road. We all hit them. Go get my book. I talked about potholes in the road because all of us at some point in our lives, we're going to be going along. The career is good. We're making good money. You know, the bills are semi-paid. <laughs> you know, you still got some that's kind of lingering. Y'all know the ones I'm talking about, right? You're just trying to work on that one. Amen. But listen, but things are going good. And all of a sudden, boom, lose your job. Or oh, boom, your car just dies. You're on your way to work. <laughs> Smoke everywhere, and you on 74, people blowing. Ain't nobody stopping to help. Amen. No, no, no. hey and then you out there, man, you hot, you late. You said, boy, I can't be late another time, boy. My boss going to. You know what I'm saying? And so those things, begin, those are potholes in the road, saints of God. And so we have to learn how to maneuver around those potholes in the road. So we have to have a spiritual GPS system. Amen. Because your GPS, although you might go a wrong direction, the GPS will make sure that you get back on the right direction because it recalculates. Amen, somebody. And so this is what the Bible does for us, that when we hit potholes in the road, situations come in our lives. We lose a child through a miscarriage. We lose a mother or a father or we lose a job or, or the house is foreclosed on us. There are different things that happens to us. We have to go back to the GPS system so that we can read the word of God. And God says, let's recalculate. I need you to go in this direction right now. I need you to call that person right now. I need you to pray for this right now. And God said, I'll give you a press down, shaking together, running over a miracle in your life if you follow the GPS. Am I talking to the right church today? We are called to be fountains, not drains. Producers, not consumers. Because you get out of life what you put into it. You cannot control the outcome most of the time, but you can 100% control the effort. What kind of effort are you putting into it? That's in your control. We may not be able to control the outcome, but I can control how much effort I put into it. In other words, I'm putting everything I got into this, everything I got into God, everything I got into my wife, into my children, into my career, into my call. I'm not going to halfway serve God. 100% of the effort, man, is yours. And people, people want, the, people want a whole result with half commitment. How are you going to demand a whole result and you're only half committed yourself? Okay, can I keep? Man, I tell you, regardless of age, everyone wants a good answer to this question. I don't care who you are. What does my dad really think of me? What does my dad really think of me? Our hearts intrinsically long for his approval. I, I know mine did and still does, right? Some of you who never knew your father or some of you who, whose father just, you know, didn't do what they were supposed to do. And then some of you, you have fathers at home that still didn't do it, but then some of you have some wonderful fathers. Amen? But even so, sometimes, even with daddies at home, you still don't get the answer to that question. 
How you feel about the dead? Do you really love me? Am I, am I a good son? Am I a good daughter? You know, with, with, with girls, man, this is, this is seen with a little girl. She put on a dress. A little girl is not just going to put a dress on and just kind of go about her business. She's going to prance in front of her father. And what is she going to do? She's going to twirl. Why? She's going to ask, do you see my dress? Do you think it's pretty? You know what she's looking for? Validation. And when she don't get it, she's going to go try to be validated by men who don't love her. Well, I think I'm talking to the right church right now. And men, men need to be validated as well. Because when we don't get validated, the opposite happens to us. We become a womanizer. Because you're looking for validation from so many women. And it's, a woman can't validate a man. I'm telling you, you mama, you can, you can be good as a mother, but you, it takes a man to validate another man. Amen? And mothers, I, I applaud. Come on, let's applaud mothers. Because there are some mothers who have to be the mother and the father right now. So I thank God for you. But guys, I'm talking to church men right now. You don't have time to have your own little old anointing and you, you got your little relationship with God and you're not doing anything with the other men in this house. Those days are over, guys. It's not just up to me to try to contact you. You should be contacting each other. You should be meeting each other for lunch, hanging out with one another. I'm not saying you guys got to call me. I'm just saying you need to start calling each other. And I'm making a plea to you guys. And I'm going to hold you to it because I'm going to ask you, who, how many guys you met with this month from the church? And if you come back to me and say, oh, I, I hadn't met with any, then you just better know you got a rebuke coming from me. Because I'm telling you, this is what God wants us to do. Now, if you refuse to do it, you can leave because we're going forward. And I'm trying to put stuff in place that we need so that we can win. The, I'm not going to battle with an aching. Joshua lost the battle of Ai because of one Achan, because Achan took up their cursed thing. You can lose the battle because of one person. All of us are going to be on board. Can I get an amen? amen? Can I get an amen from all the men? Amen. Can I get an agreement? Amen. Okay, call each other up. Don't you need somebody? Amen. See, here, here, here's what, here's the, here's, okay, let me just go on out there. You get men and say, you know, I don't have nobody. They didn't, they ain't nobody called me. Who are you calling? <laughs> Do, does anybody even know that you're hurting right now? Who have you relied on? Who have you trusted? I just don't trust, trust church folk. Well, can people trust you? <laughs> see, see, this is what happens when daddy comes in. Because, again, I ain't here to make friends, guys. I'm seeing where we're going. And I got to preach here where we're going there. I can't wait until we get there. It's going to be too late. I got to give you the word now so that we can get this thing right. Amen. Men get depressed just like women. The problem is, don't no man want anybody to know. And so you allow the enemy just to just defeat you. And then you get mad at other brothers who do have relationships with one another. Okay. All right. 
Maybe this message is for other men. I don't know if it's for this house, but um, okay, let me just move on. Okay. <laughs> we, need to not, we need to train our sons also to be responsible men uh, because, I'm going to tell you something, the culture will do this for our young boys. First of all, they're going to emasculate them. And then they're going to cause them to have gender dysphoria to where they begin to question their masculinity because culture calls it toxic masculinity when a man wants to be a man. When a man wants to take charge today, the culture calls that toxic. And then the women wonder why there's not any strong men around because the culture making them women. Somebody say, not me. See, because you're strong. You're going to stand strong as a man, doing the things that you need to do. Right? This is what God has called you to do, guys. Now, I'm not trying to knock. You can go and love and marry whoever you want. That ain't got nothing to do with me. But just because you can marry who you want, don't mean I got to accept all that. Now, I'll let you, you can do all of that. Don't expect me to do it. But I'll, I'll love you and all of that good stuff. People can marry whoever they want to marry, guys. That, that's up to them. You can fall in love with whoever you want to fall in love with. That, that's up to people. I don't, I don't mind that at all. But I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to do the wedding, but I can still love you. Yes. Yes. Amen. And this is the part that we need to hear, see, activate love. Love, man, love don't care about gender. Love is love. Amen. But don't think that I hate you just because I'm not going to capitulate to what you want me to do. Amen. Amen. And some of them, they're not going to ever come to my church, but that's okay. I'm going to still love you. I'm not going to hate you just because you won't come to church. But don't hate me because I won't come to your wedding. Am I talking to the right church today? But, so, saints, this is stuff we're dealing with right now. And, and, and you've got to know the truth. And this is how we handle stuff like that. We, we're not hateful people. I, I get mad at folks that are Christians or something. We're not hateful. Matter of fact, we're some of the most loving people you ever want to be around. Amen, somebody. See, the Bible teaches us to care for the fatherless and the widows. I know you've read that, right, in the book of James. Why? Because the role of the father is missing in both. The masculine role of the father is missing because the widow has lost her husband and the fatherless has lost their father. See, the Bible is clear, man. We've we got to stand strong as fathers because God knew what was coming. He knew how culture was going to be. This is nothing new for God. Amen, somebody? Amen. All right, so let me transition. Let me go back to the scriptures on you so we can pull out. I just have three things I want to share with you um, about the text. Scripture confirms that Saul refused to take his rightful position to father the nation of Israel. Saul was a people pleaser. Somebody say people pleaser. It's... it's um, it's not good for a leader to be a people pleaser because there is absolutely no way you can please everybody all the time. Let me tell you why I know that, because when I first became a pastor, I was a people pleaser and I got my heart broken. And the moment I did, God says, who told you to act that way in the first place? They're not your people, they're mine. After that, I was delivered. Now, people can do whatever they want, right? Because you're not mine. 
And I can continue to preach the word of God. People can flip in, flip out. I'm, hey, you do whatever you want to do. I'm still going to preach it. You can flip out for six months and come back. I'm still preaching the same stuff. <laughs> that ain't going to change the word of God. Amen. And I'm definitely not going to lose any sleep over it. Therefore, when Goliath confronted Saul and his men, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So when David came on the scene, now you got to go back and read this. I'm trying to catch you up to speed. So when David came on the scene, he saw Goliath. You guys know Goliath is like nine feet tall. He was a giant. And he was taunting the children of Israel, right? So David came as a result of his father. He was sent by his father. David was sent by his father. See, a father sins. That's why the apostolic or the apostle gift of the fivefold ministry is a sending gift. See, apostles are the ones who are sent. Only apostles know how to send people out. Right? So we're going to learn that in a little bit later. And so his father sent David some lunches to run lunches to his brother. So when he came on the scene, he saw Goliath and he saw the army of the Lord. He had righteous indignation because he couldn't understand why Saul was sitting back and not killing Goliath. So sometimes, saints of God, you can come in on the scene and because you've been basking in the presence of God, you can come on the scene with men who've been basking in the presence of the enemy and they don't even see the authority that they have because they're listening to the enemy rather than listening to God. And so David had not been listening to the enemy's voice. David had been listening to God's voice. David had been ripping open the mouths of bears and, and taking over lions' mouths. And so David knew what God could do. So when David brought the presence of God in the presence of the enemy, he said, who who is this uncircumcised Philistine? David, here's a little ruddy fellow. He probably said it like that. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Because he's a little short guy. You know what I'm saying? So can you imagine a little ruddy dude coming and all of these guys with all of this armor on, they're big looking like the rock, and they're standing around with all of these swords and, and spears, and here this little ruddy fellow coming. Like, what are y'all doing, man? Why are you not fighting? What's going on? And he hear this guy talking. Who is that uncircumcised Philistine anyway? So they said, why are you here, David? See, sometimes when people see the power and the fire of God on your life, the first thing they want to do is shut you up. So his, David's brother says, David, why are you here, David? What you here for? You're just trying to see the battle when there was no battle. Because they weren't fighting. There was no battle going on. They weren't fighting. And so this, this is sometimes, sometimes your worst enemy is family. It wasn't the men that said this. It was David's brothers that said this to him. Amen. So sometimes you have to steal away from your own family so that you can continue to walk with God. He's why you here, David. David said, shoot, man. David said, I'll take him. No, he brother, I'll take him. You know, I had to put it in perspective, right? And so, so, so they said, David, they told David, they said, David, well, the man who kills Goliath, check this out. The man who kills Goliath, first he'll be rich. Check this out. The, you get the king's daughter, praise the Lord. But he didn't really want Michael. Michael, Michael was a trip. She, she, yeah, okay. So, and then here's the third thing. This third thing got me. He said, 
you would be tax exempt. Oh. Oh. David, David said, all right, sign me up. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so, and so, so, so Saul said, David, you, you can't do this, David. You can't, you can't do this, David. And David said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do this. He said, see, 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 you don't understand, Saul. You don't understand that I was protecting God's sheep, and when a, a lion came, I killed the lion. You don't understand that, that, that when, when, when I was protecting God's sheep, you don't understand a bear came, and I defeated the bear. See, Saul, what you don't understand is I know the power of God. See, sometimes, saints of God, the people don't understand the power of God, and you have to reveal the power to them. See, sometimes God will put you in a situation when you go into the situation, it looks bleak because of what everybody else is saying. But if you keep your eyes off of what's going on and keep your mind on the Lord, then God says, oh, yeah, you got this situation right here. Oh, yeah, you got this. You got this. I got your back, David. And so what happened was Saul said, okay, okay. He didn't believe in the little boy. He said, okay, okay. He said, but let me put my armor on you. Come on, somebody. And so he said, I'm going to put my armor on you. And so David tried it on. David said, okay, all right, this is, this is good. But see, David was short. So it was too heavy. So when David put it on, he's like, ooh, oh, I, can't, I, can't, I can't wear your armor. You know what? You can't wear anybody else's anointing. Come on now. That was good right there. You got your own anointing. You got your own authority. You got your own call. You got your own ministry. And you don't have to cookie cut nobody else's ministry. Because what God is looking for, like Apostle Holiday said, he's looking for voices and not echoes. He said, no, I can't wear this. He said, you know what I need? I just need my own stuff. He said, all I need is some rocks and my slingshot. Come on, somebody. He didn't even say a sword. He said, all I need is some rocks and my slingshot. Somebody, somebody rewind it up like this here. See, y'all, that's your slingshot. That's your slingshot. And see, what you need is what God has blessed you with because you've used that thing before. And if God has blessed you to take out your enemies before, he'll bless you to continue to take out your enemies. And all you need is a rock of the revelation of God so that you can wind that thing up and you can knock out the giants in your life. So David said, all I need is my stuff. Yep. That's right. The Bible said David ran to Goliath. He didn't even walk. He ran, he ran to Goliath. You know he was short, so it took him a little longer to get there. So he, <laughs> them little bitty legs, he was running. Come on, man. Goliath laughed at him. And David said, yeah, you're going to stop laughing in a minute. <laughs> Bible said he picked up five smooth stones. He put one of them smooth stones in that little that little wind up there. He wind that thing up. That's why when you see the statue of David, he's got that slingshot in his hand, and he's got a, had that rock in the other. He got his stones, and so David wind that thing up, hit Goliath in the head, knocked that joker out, and then took a sword and cut his head off. Because let me tell you something, saints. Here's where Christians fail. You knock the enemy down, but you refuse to cut his head off. Somebody said, now that's David. So I want to tell you a little bit about who David was. 
And now that David has killed the giant that Saul would not kill, now Saul is trying to kill the giant in David. Ooh. Can I stay right there for a second? See, sometimes, saints of God, when you become a giant slayer, <laughs> betas who are sitting back, they want to kill the giant in you because they don't have enough resolve to kill natural Zion, giants. And so because he couldn't kill Goliath, he would rather kill the spirit in David. You got some people like that. You got some people who say, well, I couldn't do it, but then you go out and do it. And instead of applauding you, they're slapping you because they're mad because you did it and they... Both of y'all started off and you said you're going to start a business. Their business failed, but yours is producing. And they won't, they won't just applaud you because you're doing well. They want to get mad at you because you're doing what you... All right, let me finish my little Bible study, okay? So I just had to lay that backdrop out because now David is running for his life, right? And so here's the deal. When you fail to take your rightful place in God, you will focus your energy on keeping others down. And that's what Saul was doing. He was focusing. He was the king of Israel, guys. He was the king of Israel, but he was worried about this little old runt of a man named David. He's the king. Notice how the enemy would have you focus on stuff that ain't even important. All right, so let me go to this. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 24, and let's look at verse 4. I want to read this, and then my three little points, and we're done. Are you learning anything today? Okay. Thank you for your patience and your flexibility, because I had to really lay this thing out until we got to this point. 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 4 says, Now's your opportunity. David's men whispered to him, today is the day the Lord was talking about when he said, I will certainly put Saul into your power to do um, with as you wish. Then David crept forward and cut off a piece of Saul's robe. So there were three observations that I want to talk about to becoming a better man. And um, three observations. So the first one is this. We know how to discern a counterfeit. We know how to discern a counterfeit. I don't know if you know this, but anybody ever heard the term the real McCoy? Yes. Well, Elijah McCoy was a black inventor. And he uh, revolutionized the railroad industry because he made these lubricators. Now, Elijah's lubricators were the best in the industry. And they were so good that other people, how many of you know when you got a good product, there's always going to be some counterfeiters. You know when you go to the flea market, you know that ain't Louis Vuitton, right? I hope y'all know that. That ain't real. You can't get a $3,000 bag for $300. That just ain't going to happen. They fake, right? Somebody say they fake. Okay. So, so the counterfeiters came, and they tried to duplicate Elijah's lubricators, but they would fail, Right? So now, later on, the, they, the industry wised up, and they say, when somebody brought some lubricators, the first thing they would say, is this the real McCoy? How many of you guys knew that? There's a couple of y'all? Because y'all probably heard me preach it. So, and so that's the real car, McCoy. And so what I want to say is, 
We must know, guys, fellas, men of valor, what's real. We got to know what's real. Check this out. See, Scripture does not record that God made any such statement to David and his men. They were more than likely offering their own interpretation of the situation. When the men saw Saul entering the cave, they wrongly assumed that this was God's way of showing them they should act. The Bible says, judge no man before it's time. See, this was a counterfeit situation. And if David had done what the men wanted him to do, David would have been outside of the will of God. See, men of God, what I mean to tell you here is just because you're in a certain situation, make sure that you can discern the voice of God, not a counterfeit voice from man. Amen. So I'm asking God to give you the voice and the mindset of reason that you understand what is a counterfeit. You got to know what woman is your wife. Mm -hmm. So there's certain things you don't say to women that's not your wife. You don't share your heart with women on your job. Why are you doing that in the first place? Hello, somebody. Because all it takes for you to give a little more of your heart, and the more of your heart you give to somebody else who's a counterfeit, when you come into a real situation, you don't even know how to operate anymore. I hope I'm talking to the right house today. So we got to be able to discern a counterfeit. We, we should desire real relationships, a real prayer life, a real praise life, a real worship life as men of God. And this is why, guys, it's important that we stay in the word of God, because God can give you wisdom so that you can discern a counterfeit. I don't want a counterfeit anointing. And see, here's the last statement I'll make about this is a lot of times you can't discern a counterfeit because you yourself is a counterfeit. And we can't pose like we got everything together, guys, when you know you're hurting. See, when I'm hurting, I call Reginald up, Apostle Holiday, and I tell him everything. I'm like, man, look, I need your prayers because... I'm about to slap somebody. Amen. You got to be able to, you got to talk. You got to talk real talk. Amen. And pastors got to have somebody they can talk to because some church folks don't understand. Well, I thought you're supposed to be loving. See, you're the one I want to slap. <laughs> Amen. You got to have somebody. Ladies, you got to have somebody that you can go and, and let your hair down, so to speak, because I don't have any. But you can go and let your hair down and say, you know what? I just want to be real right now. I'm hurting. And you don't need somebody, Michelle, to say, you know, the Bible says. I know what the Bible says. I, I'm just trying to tell you how I feel right now. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah anyhow. Yeah, we need somebody to talk to. You ain't the only one that can hear from God. But just now, right now, I'm just struggling. Amen. <laughs> hey, we, we, everybody don't hear from God every day. Right? There's sometimes, there's sometimes you get into dry areas. You ain't on the mountain all the time, saints. That's why we need each other. This is why the word of God breaks down that entitlement stuff with titles. 
so that we can understand how to be brothers and sisters in the Lord first so that we can be friends. See, that supersedes ministry, right? And first thing people want to do when they come into a church, oh, I do this for a church, and I did that, and I was prophesying here, and I was doing that and the other. Yeah, but uh, how much of a brother or a sister were you to the people in that local church? That, those are my questions now. How many friends do you have in your previous church? Because that'll determine how many you're going to make in your next church. Because if you didn't have any in your previous, you're probably not going to have many in it. Unless you get a word like this, it's going to challenge you to go to supersede where you've been. All right. Okay. 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 That's, that's the first observation, guys. Lift your hands, guys, and say, Lord, Lord teach me how to discern a counterfeit. So the next one can be found in 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 8. Let's look at verse 8. I want to read this quickly so that we can get you out of here because I know some of you got to go eat. Verse 8, verse 8. Are you here? Verse 8. David came out and shouted uh, after him, Saul, my lord the king. And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him, and then he shouted to, shouted to Saul, why do you listen to the people who say, I am trying to harm you? Uh, that, that's all I want to read right there. So the second observation um, is this, guys. You got to walk in humility. See, the second observation about becoming a better man is walking in humility. Did you see? I showed you this when we was reading this. First, he said, my Lord, the king. This, this was Saul. Saul was trying to kill David. Matter of fact, there was one uh, episode where Saul actually threw a javelin at David. Yeah. And David barely got out of the way and is stuck in the wall. This, this is the same guy. So later on, now David is saying, my Lord, the king. And he bowed low to the ground. Why? Because King Saul was the king. Now, now let me give you this, this tidbit. David at that time had been anointed to be king. But he had not assumed the throne yet. Why? You can't assume a throne that's not yours. In other words, you can't tell God when it's time for you to take over. So you got a little anointing on your life. Now, all of a sudden, you're supposed to be this big time person on the platform. You prophesied a couple of folks. Now, all of a sudden, now you're the prophet to the nations. No, you got to wait on the Lord. And first of all, if you're not humble, you don't deserve the platform in the first place. Right? So then he not only said, my Lord, the king, he said, look, my father, because Saul was supposed to father David, but he was so jealous of David, he couldn't give David what he most desired because he was not fathered by Jesse. Matter of fact, when Samuel came to anoint the king, David was out with the sheep. And Samuel said, well, look, is there anybody else? This is, these are all your sons? There's got to be something. We ain't going to eat until I get all of your sons up here. And you know what Jesse said? Oh, I got this other little, little son out there, out there with the sheep. This other son out there with the sheep. So you can see Jesse didn't father David. So David was lacking a father. He thought he could find that in King Saul. Because at some point, Jesse sent David to Saul to be mentored. If you read the whole Bible. David was the one that would play music and demons would come out of Saul. That right there would have been enough for me, bro. I need to keep you close to me. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, bro, I'm getting all depressed and this thing's all on me. David would come play and he was just start walking up right. 
Man, I'm like, bro, you better stay close to me. Amen. Nope. He tried to kill him anyway. But this was David. He was humble when he, he came out to him. And check this out. Let me do this verse 13. He said, David was not after power and position from man. He was after the passion and presence of the almighty God. What you need to see, men of valor, is you may not be noticed by man for doing a humble work, but God will definitely recognize you. Samuel said, God hasn't chosen any one of these guys right here because they were all tall and good looking. I got this little ruddy fellow back there keeping the sheep. See, it doesn't matter about your stature or how good you look to man. God says, you know what? I want the one that don't nobody see. I want the one that people have been talking about all of these years. Mm-hmm. I want that one, the one that was bullied. Yeah, I want that one, that one right there. Yep, that one. Not the one that's standing up looking all good, because you might look good but not be good. David was the runner of the litter. He was not supposed to be successful. I want the one who thinks he's a dead dog or a flea. Good gracious. He said, that's the one I want to use. Why? Because he can walk in humility. Mm-hmm. Good preaching, ballhead. Good preaching. Let me give you the last one. The last one is found in 16, verse 16. Saul called back. Did somebody say transition? Saul called back. Is that really you, my son, David? Now Saul wants to take responsibility as a father. Why? Because he just got completely convicted to his heart. See, it's a heart condition, guys. See, this is why we don't retaliate. We don't try to take on our own revenge on people. We continue to stay humble. And God said, I will repay. And Saul called back and he said, is that you, my son, David? He was completely convicted by what he had been doing to the person he was supposed to be raising up. I pray that that same conviction come on pastors that's supposed to be raising up sons in the house, but they've been jealous of them. I hope they come up and say, is that you, my son? He said, listen, you are a better man than I because you have repaid me good for evil. So the last one is this, guys. Being a better man has nothing to do with having a better situation. David didn't have a better situation, but he was a better man. You might not think that where you need to, you need to be in your career right now, or you may not think that somehow you don't know enough of the word right now, or somehow you're just not... You're listening, but the clarity is just not there right now. But being a better man doesn't mean you're in a better situation. David was in a worse situation than King Saul. King Saul lived in a palace. David was running in caves. King Saul had a Bentley chariot. <laughs> David had a hoopty chariot. Yeah. Saul had an iPhone. David had a flip phone. Amen. Yeah, Saul wore silk. David was in sackcloth. So being a better man doesn't mean you're in a better situation. 
Being a better man means you would take the situation that you're in and you will move out in God anyway in spite of that situation. Come on, somebody. That, that's what it's all about, guys. And David knew what it meant to follow God. See, David understood that. That's why he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me what? The green pastures. He does what? He restores my soul. He leads me to the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Come on, somebody. Yea, though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Come on, somebody. Come on. He prepares what? Before the presence of my enemy. Come on. What else? What else? With oil. Come on, somebody. Run over. Surely, somebody says, surely. surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, see, David understood that as you are walking with God, and when you look back, he wasn't looking at his past anymore, because as a born again believer who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, goodness and mercy as you are walking is erasing your past so that's why when you look back you don't see anything because goodness and mercy is following you all the days of your life the Lord is my light and my salvation who shall I fear the Lord is the strength of my life who shall I be afraid when the enemies at my foes came to eat up my flesh they stumble and fail come on somebody David knew David knew how to use the word of God on his enemy come on come on somebody somebody said that's David see see that's what I'm talking about saints of God see when you use the word of God on your enemy there's a release that takes place inside of you See, we want to be better men and better fathers and better husbands and better friends. And I want to be a better man. Come on, lift your hands, brother. Say, Lord, make me a better man. I want to close with this right here. And I'm done, guys. I'm closing with this right here. This is uh, what makes a dad. God took the strength of a mountain, the majesty of a tree, the warmth of a summer sun, the calm of a quiet sea. The generous soul of nature, the comforting arm of night, the wisdom of the ages, and the power of the eagle's flight. The joy of the morning and spring, the faith of a mustard seed, the presence of eternity, the depth of a family need. Then God combined these qualities when there was nothing more to add. He knew his masterpiece was complete, and he also called it dad. Amen. Come on and clap your hands. Hallelujah. So being a better man means we know how to discern a counterfeit. We know how to walk in humility, guys. And what's the last one? That it doesn't mean that you're in a better situation, right? Because we make situations better when we get in it. Amen. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message encouraged you. 
If you would like to learn more about C3 Church, please visit us in person in Indian Trail, North Carolina at 5805 West Highway 74, Indian Trail, North Carolina, 28079, or on the web, c3churchnc.org, or on facebook.com forward slash c3indiantrailnc.org.